The City Life app enables you to listen to Sunday messages and even explore the Bible while listening. Stay up to date with church life through our Connect section and much more. Download the City Life app today. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. Our desire is to make Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. I mean, do you ever deal with mind games? Just mind games? <laughs> now, I'm not talking about the mind games that other people play on you, but your own mind games. And I'm talking toxic thoughts. Truth is, we all deal with it. And uh, our minds sometimes drift, and we begin to like convince ourselves that we're worthless, we're messed up, maybe you're flawed by your DNA, you're damaged goods, you're without hopes. Uh, because you just don't have hope because of your choices or, or, or you, you feel unloved. Maybe you genuinely just, just don't have anyone that loves you. Uh, you feel stuck in a situation. Maybe, maybe you dealt with a situation on the job and, and you were reprimanded and, and, or, or, or you were just mistreated and you're, you're just angry. These things swirling around in your mind. I want to say something. We all struggle with that. You're not alone when it comes to the secret mind games. How to, uh, these, these, these what I call out of control thoughts, what they can do is that a lot of times they'll cause you to feel disengaged uh, from the people around you. You know, you're, you feel disengaged from work, you can't even concentrate, you, you get swept away with pessimistic thoughts all the time and, and you start dreaming up these worst case scenarios in your mind and, and, and that's all that you can see. And the truth is, is that you don't want to be there, but you don't know how to get out and you're craving change you're you're tired of the 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 mind games you're 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 sick of the toxic thought patterns and you're craving to bust out of it well that's good because craving change is what i'm talking about for the next few weeks the the truth is i just want to be candid with you i crave change in me because i'm not satisfied with my current state not. Now the good news is though is that God has plans for us for every single one of us. So here's what I want you to do. Let's start there. Take a look in your Bibles in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. Now you need to underline this in your Bibles. Make sure that you even longhand write it out in your notes or something like this because this this is something you need to remember and come back to because this is God speaking. God's saying this. Look at it. Jeremiah 29 11. He says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. Do you get that? Listen. God has plans for you. Messed up you? It doesn't end here. It doesn't end the way you're imagining it. He has plans. He's imagining and dreaming these plans that are different from the things that are swirling around in your mind. His plans are to prosper you. His plans are to give you hope. His plans are to give you a future. And that right there can be the starting place to activate this craving for change in your lives is just simply knowing that God has positive plans for you. Now, our theme for 2017 is three words, run to win. Take that from the scriptures. But, but, but I want to add a little something to it today, and, and I'm going to say 
as we run to win, I want us to reject what I call participation trophy Christianity. Yeah, now, uh, I, I didn't ever get participation trophies. They didn't give those to us when I was a kid, but, but, but my, my, my sons all got them, and, and, and I thought they were pretty cool because they were always on these losing teams. And so, so we might as well, like, whoa! And they're like, I don't like it. And I tried to put it up, and you know, like, one, one of my kids, kids like, threw it away, and I pulled it back out of the trash, and I gave it back to them later, and it disappeared again. It's like, it means nothing to me, you know? I participated. Who cares? Yeah, and I think about it when it comes to Christianity. I don't want to have a badge that said, I did my religious duty. I don't want that. that, that that's not a win. Um, I, I don't want the Christian participation trophy. And I honestly don't think you do either. I, don't want, I just don't want... God at the end of this life to go, oh, he was a good church boy. I mean, forget it. thing is, I want to win. And the hope in the future that God has for you, get this, you have to take it. You have to crave for it. You have to hunger for it. And that, my friend, is the win. You see, God built into us, every one of us, there's this passion to win. It's there. It's there right now. I'm, I'm watching all the stuff that's happening overseas with North Korea. I'm, I'm like watching every little moment of it. And, and it's like, we're going to win. I'm going to win, win, win. I don't want to win. I mean, nobody likes losing. Do, 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 have you ever seen anyone post on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or any other social media platform, I came in last place in the marathon. I'm so proud of myself and showing their medal. No. <laughs> no. Like for me, I like playing Monopoly. It is a luscious game to me. I, I indulged in it as a child, and I, I grew deep in it, and I love it because the rules are the same, and I remember it's a fun, family, competitive game. And when I play that game, I play Monopoly to win. I do. I do. And I just want to let you guys know this. If you challenge me to a game of Monopoly, I'm probably going to win, Okay. You say, well, that's arrogant, Pastor Tim. Oh, actually, not arrogant. That's actually confidence because I have learned the skills of the game and I probably know them a little better than you. It's just, not, it's just the truth. And, and why I don't play Monopoly to lose. Therefore, not many people want to play Monopoly with me anymore. You know? So I feel like a loser. <laughs> no, but, but think about it. You don't play your video games to lose, do you? No. I mean, you, you, want, you want to rack up a good score. You want to win. But yet, on the other hand, when it comes to games and all that, I mean, at the end of this life, nobody's going to want to care about how much money you had in the bank when you bankrupted everyone in Monopoly. No, nobody's going to care. God's not going to care about your, your bubble pop score. God's not going to care about your Halo score, Resident Evil, Super Mario, Zelda, or Red Dead Redemption. He won't care. Of course not. But just think about this. Even in those meaningless games that we play, you keep working hard at it and keep doing it. Why? It's because you want to improve your score and you want to win because it's built into you to win. And it's fun to win. But what I'm proposing today is really something different than just improving your score in a game. I'm proposing change in your life. Really, it's actually transformation. It's this winning way of living. And I crave it. I crave change. You know, it's... If, you, if you're going to do this, you have to go out and seize your win. And you have to obtain that, that hope of the future that God has for you. And 
So you've got to kind of understand the basics of the game. If you're going to understand the basics of the game, then you can win. So I want to tell you a little bit about this, and this is the intellectual part of the message. So listen in. We are designed by God as a three-part being. We are body, soul, and spirit. Now the spirit part is the part of us that's born again. It's a new birth when we receive Christ into our lives. We are born again. That's the spirit. It's not the body because you still look the same on the outside, right? Now, now, now th then there's this other part of us, which is the body, and, and that's what you see right here. Uh, you know, the body is made up of, of this, it's this physical shell that contains everything else, and, and, and it has all kinds of little parts and pieces. I mean, everything from my fingernails to, to, uh, to my hairs, to my ears, and yeah, just all, all that stuff. It's made up of all these multiple parts, and then you have the systems that work together, the, the, the uh, circulatory system, the skeletal system, all of that, and that's great. But, but our physical body, it's very complex, but it is short-lived because our bodies will die. They will. But... The soul is what I would call the most interesting part of us. You see, your soul is not comprised of multiple parts like your body. It's not composed of singular like your spirit, but it actually has three parts. And, and, it's, and it becomes pretty intriguing to break it down. And I want to say this, if you're going to win the race that God has called you to, if you're going to seize this hope and this future that God has planned for you, if you're going to, to act out on these cravings that you have to win, then you need to focus upon your soul. And really, this is the, the part of us that can be changed, and it must be changed. Now, you can change your body, sure, you can go to the gym and work out, change your body. You can do diets and all kinds of cool stuff with your body, but eventually it's going to die. But your soul is something that we can change, but you don't necessarily see it on the outside. Let's take a look at it. Now, the soul has these three parts. The three parts of the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. Your mind is your intellect. That's your thoughts. That, that's, what, that's what goes on in your head. Your will is, is, is actually how you choose to take action in life. And then your emotions, which is the third part of our soul, those are your feelings. That's, the, that's that emotional part of you. Now, now, the truth is, quite often, our soul is where the battle lies for us. Our minds, our wills, and our emotions, many times, are simply out of control. Yet we've learned to hide it well because it's been programmed in us. In fact, there are little children right back in the nursery and in the preschool right now and in the elementary room that are being trained and told yet again, just, just like the parents have done, that they must hide their exuberance. And if they're going to lash out and cry, it's like, okay, let's just try to contain that. Let's not show that. Let's not express all of that. And so we eventually create these wonderful facades and we, we put these, these walls up so we can look good and we can look great. And yeah, but eventually at some point it does come out. And uh, the truth is, is, if we want to be honest with ourselves in one way or another, we're all fractured in our souls in one way or another. But, but you can't put a, put, put a cast on a fractured soul. You can put it on a fractured bone, but not a fractured soul. But here's the good thing. There is hope for your fractured soul. 
You don't have to continue to be the way that you are. You don't have to continue to live in this fractured way. God wants to heal you. God wants to set you free. God wants to restore your mind and your emotions. But the healing that God wants to give you, it only comes about when you really crave it, when you really desire it. The change comes when you say, I'm craving it. I'm going to win. The first things, though, if we're going to talk about this stuff, is we need to talk about our minds. And I want to talk, that's what I want to talk about to you today, because there's hope for fractured minds. Hey, here's the truth. Some of you have a thought life that's out of control. Now, my thoughts get out of control sometimes too. Just like yours. So I totally understand and have empathy for wherever you are. You can't get your thoughts to line up and you start imagining these worst case scenarios and you start entertaining all of these dark thoughts that are destructive and, and, and your imagination just continues to go out of control and, and your imagination begins dictating your emotions. And the truth is, just about everyone in this room, you'd be humiliated if the thought processes that were going through your mind they're just yours and yours alone or somehow projected on these screens right up here. You wouldn't want that. Because you, you find yourself thinking the worst about people around you. Even the, the worst about people who love you the most. And it's, it's based upon your past hurts. It's, it's based upon even unrecognized prejudices. Now, we've all been there. In fact, we are there to one degree or another, because we're all growing in this area. Uh, for some of you, you wake up, the negative thoughts just slam you. You go to sleep, the negative thoughts are there. You keep beating yourself up in your mind. Some of you are in, into self-abuse in your mind. But nobody would know it on the outside. The emotional negative chatter in your brain is, is now beginning to control your emotions and and, and it's, really, it's, it's really keeping you from moving forward. It's keeping you from doing what you know you need to do and, and what you dream of. I want you to think of this. <laughs> if you treated, I'm saying this with a smile, if you, treated, if you treated people around you and you talked to people around you the same way you treat yourself or talk to you, you wouldn't have a friend in the world and you know it. And that's why you loathe yourself. So what can we do about our fractured mind? Well, we just need to make the choice. I want to quit living this way. I, I want to make the decision to not, that I'm not going to keep on thinking the way that I'm currently thinking. We start off with that, that craving to change the way we think. I'm going to give you some tools on this today. I'm also going to tell you the answer, which I'll just say it simply. It is Jesus. Now, now you can choose to change. And you can choose to let your mind be led and directed by God's Spirit rather than your own imaginations. So you, your own imaginations, what that will do is that will pull you down and, and, and it will be destructive because, because hell is dropping thoughts into your mind all the time. And I honestly believe that it is a strategy of hell to, just to keep hammering away at us from time to time. But today is a day that where you can begin to ignite some change and there is hope for your fractured mind. You don't have to stay right where you are. Solomon put it this way. He says it well. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and do not lean on your own what? Understanding what's up here. See, in other words, what God is saying through the wisest man who walked on this earth other than Jesus, God is saying, quit trying to figure all this out in your head. Quit trying to scheme it all out. Because that won't work. Instead, run to win and trust God. Get your focus on Him. And today I'm going to show you how you can do that. You see, you see, I'm not looking, though, to just give you some nice little tips so you can do this incremental bettering of yourself. I want change. And I believe the Lord can bring about radical change with your participation in your own mind. And it starts with trusting in Jesus. You keep craving that change. Crave that change in your mind. Not just improvement, but legitimate chains. If you only improve, you're just becoming a little bit better. That, that turns us into a self-help seminar. That's not what this is. That's actually a weak approach. You know, a lot of Christians actually use that approach. Uh, they try to get a, a little better here, a little better there, here, here, a little there, a little. I'm getting better, better, better. Okay, okay. And then, then what happens is, is you become religious and you become kind of arrogant because you, you, you see, hey, man, I, I have done a lot of this good stuff. And then you, you start criticizing other people because they do the things you used to do. And you can sit there smuggling and go, what is your problem? I'm so far above you. And that's where we don't need to go. See, I'm just telling you guys, that's the participation trophy Christianity. And just kind of kind of go along and just do this little Christian thing. I, I'm not into that. So you need to have hope that there's something greater. And that's transformation in your mind. You're no longer going to be the same. You're going to be a different person. Now, really, it starts with accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you begin getting moved with this process of change. Like what Paul says, he says this. He said, I press on. Those are key words right there. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. Winning is in the Bible, right? Okay. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So this, this word, the, the, but this terminology to press on, what this means, it means to seek eagerly after. It means to crave. It is really a very forceful word. This, this basically says that, the, that the, when the heart of a person is set on change and transformation, as you crave, as you press yourself and push yourself eagerly forward, things are going to begin, going to, begin to happen in your life. And you can crave change regarding your mind and regarding your thoughts. And it will make all the difference in the world in your life. And it can start today. And I want to say press on, guys. Press on. Press on. Win the prize. Go like crazy. We'll tell you a story of a girl by the name of Cheryl. She lived in a little town in Mississippi, Starksville, Mississippi. Now, Liz, I don't know. You may know where Starksville is because I'm sure you know all things Mississippi. It's funny. One time I was, uh, sorry, ADD moment. One time I was, I was on vacation. We were driving through the middle of Mississippi, and we got out of the car, and we are going to the fast food restaurant. And one of my sons said, said oh, this, this lady, she, she talks exactly like Liz does. And I said, Oh, that's weird. She does. And then we listened to another person. They did too. And I said, wait, she's from here. You know, Mississippi. <laughs> One morning at the age of five, uh, Cheryl ran out when the milkman was coming to deliver the milk. And I have vague memories of that as a kid. Very vague when the milkman delivered. It's kind of a weird thing for us today. It's kind of like the Amazon of the old days, you know. But... Uh, 
he looked this little girl in her eyes and he said, you're going to be Miss America someday. To a child back in those days, that was huge. The problem is, though, is that she lived in a home that was defined by abuse. She was sexually abused. She was, it was a home of dysfunction. There was neglect. There was poverty. But still, this vision to win was ignited in her heart, and she actually believed it. But six years later, at the age of 11, uh, Cheryl was in a terrible head-on automobile accident. And yeah, That was back in the days when we didn't wear safety belts. We didn't know any better. I know it was stupid, but we didn't, and, and most people didn't. She was thrown from the car, this little girl was, and, and she broke her leg in 32 pieces. She had 100 stitches on her face, and she cracked her back. I mean, so much for the dream of becoming Miss America. Little uh, 11-year-old Cheryl was alive, but she had a scarred face. She was in a body cast, and she's stuck in a wheelchair. See, her life was just getting started, and if the situation in her, her home wasn't enough to pull her down, now hopelessness, obviously, is the epitaph on her life, and she's still a kid. It's interesting because it didn't end there, because not long afterwards, she fell and had another accident, which put a total of 200 stitches on her face. After most of her teen years, she was literally referred to as a cripple, and that's what people used to call someone who couldn't walk right or, or needed assistance in walking. In fact, there were some really nice people that, that, that called me that when, when, I, when I had my leg messed up uh, about a year and a half ago. And uh, it, was, it was nice. It was a joke. I, I, I actually had the name Crip. And, and so, but I was like, no, Kryptonite. No, you know, I'm your Kryptonite. No, but they called her the cripple. And uh, that was the identity that they put on her. There's, there's a little crippled girl because she couldn't walk. But Cheryl learned the art of looking forward. She trained her mind to overcome the agony of the moment. She relied on the Lord to change her also. And then she began to fight with her mind, and she pushed herself, and she rebuilt her body, and she corrected the scars on her face. And then Miss Pruitt entered pageants. And she lost pageant after, she, in fact, she lost uh, pageants for five years. Couldn't win one pageant. And then all of a sudden, she took a crown, which then took her to Atlantic City. She won the Miss Starkville competition, and then Miss Mississippi in 79, culminating in Miss America in 1980. And here's the truth. I remember sitting with my family back in 1980 in Harlingen, Texas, down in the Rio Grande Valley, and we were watching the Miss America pageant. Now, that's what we did then, because there were only three channels, guys. That's all we had. But, and I remember it was the event. Everyone watched it, and I remembered this site. I remembered her winning Miss America. Nobody knew her story, but we're like, wow, stunning victory. This lady won the prize as being recognized as the most beautiful, talented, and poised lady both inside and out in the United States of America. That's huge, my friend. Cheryl Pruitt once said this. She said, if God can take a little hick country girl with scars all over her face from Choctaw County, Mississippi, and make her Miss America, then God can do anything with anybody. And I'm telling you guys, he can change you. 
Basically, what we have to do is there, that we, we do need to consider what's happening in our minds. We need to assess and change. We need to think about what's happening, what's coming into our minds, and, and, and the, the mental input and the mental output. And really, actually, that's pretty huge because this craving for change regarding the way that you think absolutely must be followed by action. And I'm talking persistent, disciplined action. You can do something to get the change in your thought patterns that you desire. It, it's not about trying to think better thoughts. I've tried that and it doesn't work. <laughs> you actually have to do some things. It, it means that you're going to change the way your mind even functions. And you take bold, decisive action regarding what you're putting into your mind. Because listen to this, action always precedes lasting change. You have to take action on what's going in. You need to, to start doing things different from what you're doing right now even though you don't feel like doing them but you know you should be already in fact the truth is you probably already know what you should be doing to make the change in your mind you just need to haul off and do it <laughs> you see one of the biggest obstacles that we face in life it's not the annoyances it's not the distractions and the challenges and the hurts and the pains of life that we experience and that stuff's real but the biggest obstacle we face is what's right up here your mind is, is like, a, like a computer, and, and it doesn't automatically believe and act upon what's true or what's false. It doesn't. Listen, your mind believes whatever it is told the most often. You hear that? I'll say that again. Your mind believes what it is told the most often. What are you telling yourself? In other words... You become the stories you tell yourself. You will inevitably follow that path that you lay out and that you're rehearsing in your mind. Basically, it's this. You have to intentionally change the programming. And, and, and you do it, basically, one of the ways you do it is, is through repetition of what really matters and engaging the help of God and getting the Holy Spirit. And it's a minute-by-minute, day-by-day challenge. It's a daily choice. It's a daily choice that I constantly have to do throughout the day. Guys, it's not about concentrating on getting more willpower. Instead, it's concentrating on what you're aiming toward. What are you aiming toward? In other words, keep your eye on the prize. Run to win. It's Jesus. That is the goal. And I'm telling you what, guys, that is stinking awesome. But the lack of mental discipline, even psychologists will tell you this, the lack of mental discipline in a person is because they don't have a vision of what's out there for them. But we do. Welcome to city life. Because <laughs> this gets me pumped up. You see, the hope and the future that God has for you if it's not yet printed on your mind, you hang around here a while and it's going to get printed on your mind. And today can be the day it can begin to change. And you can begin to decimate old patterns of thinking and, that, are, that are obstacles to the full life that Jesus came to bring you. <laughs> if you, if you want to stop drifting and being navigated in your life through these negative thoughts and, and you really want to start designing your life, well, you're in the right place. Welcome home to city life. I'm going to give you something really simple. Seven very simple action items. Listen carefully, though. And when you see the list, you're going to say, oh, I want to do all those. And you can. That's fine, because actually you should do all of them. And some of you are going to say, well, pastor, you should tell the people to do all of these. No, actually, I'm going to tell you to do two. Pick two. Pick two. Just pick two this week. All right? 
and insist you're going to act upon it. I'm going to go through this very quickly. Some of you need to do screenshots, I mean, you know, pictures of this or whatever you're going to do. You need to get these. Take two of these. If you do this, you begin to have the, sustain of, the sustainment of change in your mind that God initiates today. I call them seven soul-changing craves. Do you like that? Yeah, yeah okay, that, that's my own terminology. Well, if you don't like it, too bad, because you're stuck with it. All right, because I'm the preacher. So, so, so first of all is to crave the church. So I'm going to crave getting together with God's people because in that atmosphere, I'm going to be lifted up and encouraged because it's totally different than what I faced all the rest of the week, all right? Crave to worship. I want to be a person who worships, not just here, but in life in general. You're going to sing to God, talk to God, tell God, I love you, God. You're more important to me than anything else in this world. Crave to love, not just to get love, but to give love. You want to receive more love? You start giving love, 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 love. Even though it hurts, even though that you might feel like it's going to be rejected, you keep loving another one is to give gratitude it is simply saying thank you some of you need just to haul off this afternoon or write a thank you note i know it's a big deal some of you need i mean but to say two words thank you thank you thank you and that takes the, the that takes our attention off of ourselves another one is to crave to pray i just want to stir this up come on which of these two are you going to pick crave to pray i'm going to pray I want to crave for I want to talk to God day in and day out. Crave to connect. That means with, get with other people who are going to build you up and encourage instead of the people that we so often find ourselves around that are pulling you down and beating you down and discouraging you. I don't like connecting with those people. But I love to connect with people who are going to be an encouragement and to crave the word. That's the scriptures. That's the Bible. That's the word of God. Crave the word and get into it every day. I'll tell you what, one of the best things I do with my mind first thing in the morning is I get God's word in me because it helps. It definitely helps me and I need all the help I can get. Now guys, these are disciplines. Look at them. Leave them up there for a few minutes. These are disciplines. These will allow you to succeed long term after what God does today to dissolve thoughts of self-hatred, your toxic thoughts, your, your, your hopelessness, your self-loathing, your negativity, your thoughts of anger, imagining the worst-case scenario all of the time and hurting others and, and your, your thoughts of prejudice and, and your thoughts of constant self-defeat. Do these. Pick two for this week. Which two are you going to do? Write them down. Make that your discipline. I, I don't care if you have to set a reminder. You should maybe do this. If you're like me, Mr. ADD, I need some focus. And so if you need to set a little alarm to go off on your phone every hour on the hour during waking hours to tell you to do the two things, one of the two, or spread them out, I don't care. Do it. I'm telling you guys, if you, do, if you just do two of those this week, your thought patterns are going to begin to change. They will. I did that this week. I put reminders on my phone. Because I needed help. Some of you might come here and say, Oh, Pastor Tim, he's so perfect. He's got it all together. Yeah, you hang around me for a while and you realize I'm not, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm just like you. This week was a tough week for me. I'll just be honest with you. It was a really tough week. From Sunday all the way down. <laughs> um... You know, it's interesting because every time I, I, I'm planning to preach on a particular topic, God tests me. And I, that, that's part of the, that, that's the non-fun part of being a pastor. God makes me wrestle with what I'm going to share before I share it. I don't like it, <laughs> but it's part of what I get to do. 
get to do. And it's interesting because my mind, in a crazy unhealthy way, like I haven't felt in a long, long time, began constantly drifting toward negativity, uh, self-condemning, self-hatred, depressing thoughts. And I'm just telling you, it just, it was dark. It was dark. Hanging around me a little bit, you probably wouldn't have picked up on it. Because, but I'm just telling you, I was under some gray skies, and it just wouldn't change. It just felt like it was getting worse. I was really just being extremely self-critical. What it was, I was being self-critical about dumb little shortcomings, little failures, inadequacies, thoughts of how I let a person down or let another person down or how I didn't finish this or didn't do that. And I felt helpless and I felt defeated. And I'm telling you guys, it spiraled out of control and I couldn't sleep. I, I need a change. I, need, I needed my mind to change. It got, it got bad. And on the worst day, <laughs> when I was so low, the strangest thing happened. This is why, I, you know, sometimes the enemy sets you up, and I'm telling you, he does. This mo most bizarre thing happened to me, and this hasn't happened to me in probably 12 years. But I went out to my mailbox, and I got the mail. Looked through all the bills like I always get, throw the ads in the, in the trash so nobody sees them, so nobody will go shopping. And, and, uh, <laughs> and there was this one letter, and I'm like, okay, I open it up, and it's like about a seven-point font. I'm like, whoa, okay, time to get out the reading glasses. I'd need them anyway, but still, I, I, I had a reason with tiny font. It needed to squeeze it all into one page, and, the, and it, was, it, was a, it was a recitation of all the things that this person didn't like about me. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, it wasn't like, you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It, it, was, it was like, um, how can I say it, like personality quirks. Things that I didn't ever sign up for in the first place. It just chewed me out. In a seven-point font. And then took lines from sermons that I didn't like a long time ago, stuff I'd forgotten about, and put them in there and said, you know, you need to think about this and live by this and do this and do this and do this. And, and I'm low, I'm telling you guys. And then at the very end, I will expect a response from you immediately. Huh. Well, I never got the response, just to let you know. Because I was so beat down. It's like, well, thank you. And, but at that moment, I recognized it. That this is from hell? And this is a test? Dad Gummit? Is it okay to say dad gummit? I don't know. I don't know. Is it Christian to say? I don't know. I know my dad said it. My dad was a pastor, so I could say it too. He would say shoot and dad gummit. And so I will say those. But this is an attack on my, on my mind, and I'm, I'm not going to give in to this. And, and it was about midday Wednesday. I said, that's it? That's it. I know what to do, and I need to do it. And I did. I just, I, I set it up and I got myself rolling and, and uh, you don't get to look at my calendar, but I know what it pops up every, right before I came up here to, to, to preach, it'll popped up again. Hey, do this with your mind. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> By Thursday morning, I was, I went out and I just really didn't sleep well at all again Wednesday night. But Thursday morning, I was still disciplined. It says, you know, get up early and get away. And just be quiet somewhere. So I went to one of my little prayer spots and, and 
here's what I did. I, I just got out there, and I just began to plead with God. God, I need for you to intervene with, with me. I need you to intervene. I need you to change. I need, you need some help. I need you to change me. And during that time, it's like very slowly, the, the dark sky began to become brighter over my life. And at exactly the same moment, I looked at this. I watched the sunrise over my city. It was officially a new day. <laughs> it's kind of crazy because I looked at it and I said, God, did you paint this for me? I think he did. I just do. The gray clouds are still hanging over me. And I didn't like them. But on the horizon was the launch of a new day and a bright blazing sun. And, and what I loved about it is, is I could see, even in this picture, it was as if the sun was burning up the ugly gray as it slowly rose. It hadn't even made it over the horizon yet. But the gray clouds were turning that, that, that pinkish orange that you see. And then the clouds began to fade into nothingness. <laughs> Eventually, the sky was clear, and it was blue. It was brilliant. It was stunning. There's no blue in that sky. But it came about a little bit later. <laughs> I decided at that moment, today's a new day. Yesterday is behind me. I'm going to leave those thoughts and those thought processes behind me. And I will discipline myself today to transform my thinking and move forward with my day it's as if I heard God say this, and I don't know whether God said this or not. I felt it, thought it, but it sounds like a good one from God. I, I felt like God saying, this is your reboot. It's called the sunrise. And God said, young man, he, he, he calls me that. <laughs> young man, you get this reboot every 24 hours. <laughs> I said, heck yeah. Is that, can we say that in church? I don't know. <laughs> and what I did is I hurled off some ways of thinking. I had to spend some time in the scriptures, like I do every day, but it was so wonderful. I spent time talking to God, and I worshiped God. I felt like a new man before most people were even out of bed. I even said this out loud, looking at that. I said, today I will run to win. Then I looked around made sure nobody was near me. <laughs> Which takes us back to our theme scripture for the year. It says, from Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Let us throw off everything that hinders. And the sin. So, Sometimes it's sin, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just bad thinking. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us do what? Run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on what? Jesus. That's the goal. That's the vision. That's the awesomeness. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one who's preparing a place for you to live with him for eternity. Oh, what does that mean? What does that scripture mean? That scripture means there's hope. That scripture means that I can change my mind and my thoughts can be changed. It, that, that, that tells me that I can make the decision to run to win toward my Jesus. And may, maybe you've been going in the wrong direction for a period of time and you're saying, yeah, but pastor, there's, there's too much water under the bridge. I, I can't change. Well, I'm just telling you, that's a lie. That's a lie. Today is your reboot. 
The sun has risen over a new day, and today you can cast off the junk of yesterday, and you can make the simple decision to change today. God says this to you. I know the plans I have for you. <laughs> the plans to prosper you. God says, I, I, I don't have any plan to harm you. I, pl- I have plans for you to give you hope and a future. <laughs> Close your eyes all across this room. I, I want you to listen again to these words from the Father. Just close your eyes and listen. God says to you, personally, individually, He's saying this. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Just keep your eyes closed. Because there's healing in this room right now. There's the healing power of the Holy Spirit that's very present and real. I don't want there to be any movement at this time. And I just want you to keep your eyes closed for a moment. and Continue to focus internally. As I ask you this question, are, are you craving change but keep hitting a brick wall? Listen carefully to what I'm asking you. Are are you feeling like your mind is racing out of control? Are are you tired of it and you're ready to reboot today? And you'll say, yes, Tim, I will even not just reboot, but I will embrace these disciplines that can bring about lasting change in my mind. If if, if you'd say, yeah, that's me, then I want to pray for you because I'm telling you, my hand is up on this one. Would you just lift your hand all across this room and say, you know what, I, I want this change. I want, I'm craving change in my mind, and today I'm going to make some change. Come on, just lift your hand. I, and hold it up. Don't be embarrassed. Just hold it up. It's just us here. It's us fractured people who get healed by Jesus. Just, I want to pray for you with your hands up. God, I pray for every person in this room whose hand is raised with mine. God, I pray for the strength of God to overcome them, the peace of God to overwhelm their minds. God, I, I, I pray that that today will be a breaking point in their lives, a breaking point, a dividing point. Today is the reboot. We're turning it off and we're turning it back on. We're getting rid of the clutter. God, with their hands raised, I just pray the blessing of God just begins to flow into them. I pray, God, that the strength and the tenacity, the desire, the craving to, to, to do these disciplines will overtake them and that Mind change will literally happen this week. Self-loathing is going to stop today. Self-hatred is going to end. Defeated mindsets are going to go today. Anger and hatred, resentment. It's broken in the name of Jesus. You can put your hands down. With your eyes still closed, I want to say this. If you're here today also and you have never, just please just continue to stay still. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, or maybe over the course of your life you've drifted from your relationship to God and you, won't, you, you know you want to really know this Jesus that I talk about, that we talk about here at City Life, and you want to step into your God-given purpose I want to give you an opportunity to respond and be a part of my closing prayer. And in this prayer, 
you will completely just surrender your life to Jesus. And the way to do that is, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. Because faith is when we respond outwardly to what's happening on the inside. So I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to say one, two, three. And when I say that, I want you to put your hand up so I can see it. So I can connect my eyes with you. I will connect my faith with you. And then we'll all pray together. Because everything can change. Today. Hey, listen, Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you could move forward and, and, and so that you could have life and life to the full. And everything can change today through Jesus. One, two, three. Lift your hand. Lift your hand for me. I need Jesus. Thanks. Who else? Who else? Put your hand down. Who else? Anyone else? Fantastic. I want us all to stand. Everyone in this room, please stand. If you raise your hand, I want you along with this whole congregation to pray these words with me. Come on. Everybody pray this with me in faith. This is so important. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sin. Today I give up my past and I embrace the expansive future that you have for me. Thank you for new hope. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name, amen. City Life is able to continue making Jesus known for the consistent investments of money. If you would like to invest financially into the vision, you can do so at citylifecenter.org. Simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday.